Get ready for the Magic Valley PrepCast on IdahoSports.com. That's right. Welcome in another edition of the Magic Valley PrepCast on IdahoSports.com, breaking down District 4 activities week in, week out. My name is Brandon Bainey. We are joined today by the company man, Scott Burton. What's up, Scotty? How we doing? Just thought I'd uh, represent, uh, make the big wigs back at corporate office. Uh, do we do we have a corporate office? Uh, we do. It's a um, <laughs> it's it's a double wide trailer in CUNA. No, I'm just kidding. Nice, <laughs> nice, nice. It's like where I used to go dating in college. It was awesome. So anyway, <laughs> I thought I would uh, just kind of represent, uh, make home office happy a little bit, so they can keep me on the payroll. Yes. Uh, so for those that are watching the video of this on the IdahoSports.com YouTube channel or Facebook page, Scott is wearing his finest IdahoSports.com trucker hat. Those are really comfortable hats. Like, oh, so they're awesome. As an aside, I have gigantic ears. I mean, they, I mean, I, they, I, they're bad. So when I wear a traditional baseball hat, I have to do that weird thing where it either pushes my ears down or I have to tuck my ears in. And it just never works. But those hats contour to my misshapen head perfectly. So I love it. <laughs> Big ears and a misshapen head. I hear that's in the top three of these most desirable dating qualities. So good, good on you there, Brandon. Yeah, and I think we just found our podcast title as well. Big ears and a misshapen head. <laughs> I mean, we our, our, our listenership might double because people are like, man, what were these guys talking about? Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I mean, there's so many things we could talk about to send this thing off the rails so quick. But uh, somehow he managed to reel it in, even yes. despite my best efforts to take us to really bad places. Certainly. So, yeah, Scott wearing his IdahoSports.com hat, which will make uh, our Scrooge of a boss this time of year really happy. So thank you, Scott, for, for doing that. Uh, yeah. You can also listen to the audio version of this podcast as well at IdahoSports.com or wherever you download your podcasts. All right. Well, tis the season for wrestling. And the wrestling season always seems to start off, at least in my mind, with the annual Tim Matthews uh, tournament hosted by Jerome year in, year out. This is uh, one of the iconic events in the state, Scott. So you, you were there all day last Saturday. There was a lot of great competition. Uh, what did you see? I saw a lot of sweaty teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's every day. but Oh, it is. And I walk the halls and that's what I see. Uh, I tell you what, it was a fantastic tournament, both Friday and Saturday, as we had 17 boys teams, 17 girls teams, and it was an absolute organized chaos. Uh, I mean, if you've never been to a big giant wrestling tournament, uh, you got to take a few things into account because you've got 17 teams right in this big giant gymnasium and all of the teams need a place to be. And so they have taken over the upper levels of the stands. But in wrestling tournaments, you typically don't have the bottom levels pulled out, right? Because it's filled with mats. So the only seating is going to be up top. And you've got 17 wrestling teams intermingled with all of your fans. And so, I mean, there it is just absolute chaos, but it, it works. And if you have that OCD mind where it's like, you need to be here, you need to be here, get in your seat, it ain't going to happen. And uh, it, it's going to cause some problems. But I tell you what, the tournament went very, very well. Dan Hawks 
is our tournament manager. Um, he, he did a fine job with it. Uh, I was just kind of right there by his side doing whatever he needed me to do. But I tell you, what, it was really cool to get um, a mix of big school, small school competing against each other. That was one of the cool things about this because, you know, you've got the defending 4A state champ in Minico showing up. And we know how good they are. In fact, wrestling in this district right now is really, really solid. Um, but we brought in uh, 5A schools like Mountain View and Rocky Mountain, uh, brought in Skyview. And then on the, I don't want to say lower side, but the smaller side, we had schools like Westside show up. And I'll tell you what, that little Westside bunch made some noise. Uh, when you talk about the overall standings of the tournament, uh, Minico won, uh, Canyon Ridge was second, Jerome was third. And those were the top three really kind of going away from everybody. But, you know, you kind of get down to fifth place. Mountain View was fourth. Fifth place is that West Side School, you know. And so they were super excited to be there. They had a blast and they fared really, really well. And then on the girls' side of things, West Side took second. You know, and so, and the Burley girls took first. So Jerome girls took third. So it, it was a really successful tournament. And we had the, uh, the namesake, Tim Matthews, uh, in present there. And I think one of the cool things that we do at this Tim Matthews tournament is that uh, right before we hand out uh, medals, or excuse me, right before we go to the finals and we have the face-off, um, I get on the mic and I address everybody uh, about what this tournament really means. You know, I mean, we go to all these tournaments that are named after different people, different folks, different whatever, and nobody even knows what it's for. To them, it's just a tournament that I show up to. Well, so we took a moment and I said a few words about Tim Matthews and and kind of what he meant to the community of Jerome, what he means to the community of Jerome. He's still with us. It's not a memorial, invitational. Um, but what he means to the community. He taught here for 33 years, coached wrestling for 22 years. He put Jerome wrestling on the map. He's wrestled at Boise State. His kids are D1 wrestlers. I mean, he's in the National Wrestling Hall of Fame. I mean, this guy is legit. He was also my football coach, uh, one of my football coaches in high school. So, but, but I thought it was important that everybody there knew kind of what this tournament was about. So we stopped, had a moment, introduced him, and then he and I handed out all the medals together. And uh, it, it's a really well-run tournament that is a ton of fun uh, for both boys and girls for the first time this year. So it, I'm glad it's over because it's a crap ton of work, but uh, it went well. Yeah, you know, we we have our standalone wrestling podcast we do each week now, the Matt Chat Prep Cast on IdahoSports.com. Mm -hmm. And we do that live every Tuesday night, 8 p.m., mountain time and so all you magic valley fans that are also wrestling diehards you want to get that wrestling only content join us we're live every tuesday night 8 p.m mountain on the idahosports.com youtube channel facebook page and twitter account of course you can also uh catch it later on on a replay at those three places you can also subscribe to it if you want to listen to the audio version of it uh, on your favorite podcast catcher uh just search for the matt chat Prepcast and subscribe to it and then it gets downloaded into your feed every week. Um, but we were talking last last night about the the Matthews uh, Invitational, and 
what we really like about it, Scott, and, and what the wrestling community enjoys about it is you get these cross-divisional matchups. You mentioned 5A schools all the way down to 2A. As we get deeper into the season, everybody kind of goes their own way, and we get into these silos of, all right, 5A wrestlers are competing just against 5A. 4A is just 4A, and that's how we see it at State, too. So we were kind of talking about it'd be cool to do like a, a, a dual championship, you know, a tournament of champions, bring the best uh, teams from all the classifications and have them duel it out. And, and, but that then translated into, it's cool to see these cross divisional matchups and, and the Matthews invite is one of the few places you get it. No, I think you're absolutely right. And it's very cool. And it's early in the season. You kind of get a measuring stick as to where you're at. And wrestling is the one sport that you can really do that with, you know, because you're the same weight, you know, I don't care if you're coming from, Eagle High School and you wrestle for bliss. You are the same weight. You know, you may have, you know, a different uh, way of being coached or different, you know, opportunities at different schools, but it, but it's not going to be one of those things to where you take a 5A football team and play against a 2A football team. That's just never going to happen. It's unfair, whatever. But wrestling is the one thing you can probably do it with. And that's why West Side was so excited to get here and you know, that's why we had like uh, when Derek Matthews went through Decla, right? Four-time, 25-time state champion. I mean, just never lost a match since he was an infant. It's just one of those things to where, yeah, he was a 2A kid. And I'd have put him up against any 5A kid in the state, you know? So wrestling is the one thing you could do it with. And that is one of the cool things about this tournament is that you get some of these smaller schools standing on the podium taking a first-place medal. And like, holy crap, man, that's... That's pretty awesome. You just beat Mountain View. You just beat, and and you're right. It's one of the few tournaments that does that. Yeah, uh, Derek Matthews, uh, tough as nails uh, for from Declo uh, for sure. And what a treat it was to watch him compete the last four years. Uh, so yeah, so there's some good wrestling action again coming up this weekend as well. Scott, the annual Wiley Dobbs uh, mm -hmm. invite will take place at Twin Falls. Is uh, Jerome headed there, or are they headed somewhere else? Nope, we are headed to the Wiley Dobbs and. Um, you know, I think these first tournaments, everybody's really kind of feeling out what they've got. I mean, it's really, uh, everything's a prerequisite to the district tournament, you know, nothing matters until you get there. So you're just really trying to figure out who's going to battle and what weights, what are you going to have? You're going to have two guys at, you know, 152 and you're like, man, I got to get one guy up or down or, or, and that's what all these tournaments are for maybe have them wrestle up a weight class see how they fare you know how how well do they kind of put on weight do they lose weight i mean this is what all of this is for and uh and here comes the wiley dobbs which is another great tournament down here in the magic valley yeah so uh wrestling fans eat your heart out in the magic valley although i'll tell you the the basketball scene in in the magic valley has also been pretty darn impressive we're going to highlight one girls team one boys team that really just had played outstanding ball to start the season. And so let's, let's start on the girls side. We're, okay. we're going to go, we're going to talk some lighthouse Christian girls basketball. Now they've got a, a brand new head coach in Jesse Clark. He's also uh, the athletic director at lighthouse. You, you kind of have this change in leadership, right? New athletic director, uh, new coaches almost across the board uh, in football. They had a new coach in boys and girls basketball, new coaches uh, softball. It was a new program last year. They're bringing baseball to lighthouse christian this spring as well that's a topic we'll we'll dive into maybe a little closer to the season but for the first time ever lighthouse is gonna have baseball so i don't know it's just this, this like injection of like new blood into lighthouse yeah. christian and oh, no question about it and daquan montreal was their ad 
and stepped in as girls basketball coach. He's at CSI. So, I mean, you talk about all the coaches. They've got a brand-new AD in, in Jesse as well. And there's just a lot of change going on over at Lighthouse. And so far, it's been pretty good. Yeah. Uh, on the girls' side, for girls' basketball, they went over to the small school showcase last week uh, at Timberline High School in Boise. You know, it's supposed to pit the 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 better small schools against one another. And uh, Lighthouse got slotted into a matchup with Compass Charter, which is a 2A school. So that's up a level, but this is a Compass team that's struggling a little bit with numbers. They're kind of playing mostly a JV schedule this year with some varsity games sprinkled in. And um, either way, Lighthouse gets a 62 to four win. And it's not like they were, you know, running up the score, trying to embarrass Compass Charter. It just, I mean, there was a disparity between the two teams, but it was a very impressive performance overall, I thought. It was just one of those games for Lighthouse where they were able to get in the younger kids, you know, the inexperienced kids, get them some time. Um, you know, had they played their starters or whatever, it probably have been 200 to four, you know, but they didn't do that. They used it for what it was. And, you know, and, and Coach Clark had nothing but positive things to say about the Timberline hosting tournament and how Compass Charter handled themselves. They were a class act, according to him. Uh, didn't really want to talk much about the game, which I completely understand. I mean, what do you say when you win 62 to four? We scored a lot of baskets and they didn't. Um, so it was more or less the experience and getting some younger players some time. And that's what they took away from that. Yeah, I will say Jordan Wolverton. Uh, so I got I got I get emails from the Compass Charter head coach, Adam Mastalski, and he always every game he sends me the score and a little recap of the action. And from that game, he said, if you haven't seen Jordan Wolverton play for Lighthouse, I mean, she she really lit, lit it up against us and she was really fun to watch. Uh, Jordan Wolverton finished with uh, 25 points, seven assists in the victory. So almost a double double. And for the opposing coach to single out somebody from lighthouse, I thought spoke volumes of how Jordan Wolverton played. No, no question about it. Jordan. I remember from last year, uh, she is going to be the, the straw that stirs the drink. She's going to get some help from Rogers, but those two are the captains and they are, they are the ones that are going to lead this group. If they're going to have success, it's going to come with Wolverton and Rogers leading the way. And uh, that Jordan Wolverton's a heck of a ball player. You know, she can, definitely put the ball in the bucket, but she does other things too. She gets other people involved. She can see the floor fairly well. And, um, you know, she plays at a little bit different speed than everybody else. And uh, she's going to be a very, very important person to carry this team if they want to make some noise in this ridiculous 10-team conference uh, that they have, which is a nice little segue because, you know, you look at that conference right now, there's 10 teams in it. I know we're probably what, seven, eight, nine games in, depending on what team you're playing for. And six of those teams have winning records, you know, in that 10 team conference. I mean, led by Shoshone, who's eight and one, Oakley, seven and two, Cary, six and one, Murtaugh, eight and one, Raff River, six and two, Lighthouse, five and two. And then after that, you kind of get into the 500s and below, but Wow, what a juggernaut of a conference uh, on both sides, boys and girls. But, you know, this one for the girls, you know, Lighthouse, who's 5-2 and two with their 0-1 conference record, meaning they, they only played one conference game, and that was a loss to carry, you know, sit currently in sixth place. But there is so much basketball to be played. I mean, it is punishing, that league. It is yeah. It's incredible how rigorous that league is. And what a, what a nice, you know, pleasant story Shoshone has turned out to be. Maybe that's a team we'll, we'll focus on next week. Um, yeah. 
coach Tim Chapman, uh, Carly Chapman is kind of the, the key cog there for Shoshone, but yeah, you're right. Uh, it has been a, a league that's been tough to gauge. And we talked about that when we did our season preview, you know, Oakley and Raft river were the teams that got to state last year, but man, Gary got to state at one AD two. uh, Murtaugh just went on a run during volleyball and all those athletes are playing basketball for coach Todd Jensen as well. Uh, mm-hmm. lighthouse. And so, yes, this is a fantastic league to watch. And we'll maybe know a little more Saturday, Scott. We've got mm-hmm. Lighthouse Christian hosting Shoshone for a 1 p.m. tip-off. Could be tough. Yeah, that's going to be a really good game. And we talk about these measuring stick games early in the season or anything really before Christmas, I think, is early in the season because what do you do coming out of the break is is super important. And I want to go back to this Lighthouse team really quick and just kind of the things that they bring to the table that make – you know them a little bit different. Obviously, it's Lighthouse Christian School, so they're a religious school. And um, you know, I was I was talking to Coach Clark about. Tell me about your team. You know what makes them different than everybody else? Because those are the stories that we like to hear. Because anybody can read a box score and see how many points Wolverton scored. Um, but what, what what about this group of girls? You know, and and he just said this team has got as much heart as he's ever ever seen you know i mean he said they're just great people you know and that's the first thing he said they're just great people uh the sportsmanship blows them away for example they lost um where do they lose to ambrose on a buzzer beater okay 59 58 tough loss um but their players immediately went over to ambrose and congratulate him and invited them to join them in their midcourt prayer circle i mean it was soon as that game was over, it was about something completely bigger and something a whole lot more important than basketball. And that's the switch that I think a lot of these Lighthouse players can, can make. Uh, and when you do that, it, it really kind of as a coach and sometimes as a spectator, when you see it, you're realizing that these kids are not going to remember so much the wins and losses, but they're going to remember those moments and how they made each other feel, maybe how they made somebody else feel, you know? And if you can step back and remove yourself from that sometimes, it really does ground you. Um, because I think from a coaching standpoint, and I know I've done it, that you, you take the loss harder than your players do. And if you ever are coaching a team to where that is the case, then you may have a problem with some buy-in with your players. However, the flip side of that is when you get a team that is like this, that they will compete on the floor and they will battle and they will fight and claw and they'll do whatever they can. When that final buzzer goes off, they realize there's something bigger going on. And and that's one of the things that that I was told and um, by a couple of people that I asked, you know, regarding this lighthouse team and uh, yeah, granted lighthouse, Christian, Christian school, but at the same time, they're still successful athletes that have a competitive fire and drive. And they're able to do this. And, you know, it, it's it's a really cool thing to see. Yeah. And I know the academics at Lighthouse are also rigorous. You have you got to cut it uh, academically as well to be a part of the activity. So they're all outstanding student athletes at Lighthouse Christian, for sure. Their most impressive win to me so far this year was a non-conference win over Richfield, a 182 yeah. team that we think is really good. Uh, they won a tight one, 44 to 41. So already they've been in some some really close games. You mentioned the one point loss to Ambrose. They've experienced a tight win and a tight loss. I think that's only going to serve them well uh, down the line. So yeah, no question. The 62 to fours, the 40 to nines, they're not going to do much for you except just get people in and 
and keep your starters off the floor. But yeah, the close games, that's where you learn. You learn a lot in those and you learn a lot in close losses, probably more than anything. For sure. Well, we'll be keeping an eye on not just not just Lighthouse, but that entire league as the season goes along. We'll spotlight more teams uh, as the season goes on because it's every game, almost every night is going to be uh, must see in that conference. Um, a similar conference in boys basketball, I would argue, Scott, is at the other end at 4A, the Great Basin Conference. I mean, holy smokes. You talk about all of these great teams that come in. Uh, do you know who's in first place right now in the league standings, Scott? I, you know what? I am just about ready to look that up <laughs> because <laughs> I, you could really just flip a coin in this conference right now. I mean, granted, we're just getting started, right? But, um, and it's Jerome, <laughs> and How it's crazy. because we've got one conference win, but we're four and one, and we dropped a we lost our first game last night at Bishop Kelly by one point. Um, so that, I mean, that was a game that, you know, our boys could have won, but they also needed that. I, I, you know, in my, my opinion, they needed that loss, you know, because you've got a young team who uh, they're getting some confidence, but you also don't want them thinking they're going to cut the nets down after every win either, you know? And so that was a, that was a, that was a good loss for us, but you, my goodness, you look at this conference and I mean, there's a couple of things that jump out, um, Jerome's four and one. Nobody expected that. Um, Twins, the preseason favorite, they're three and two. But Wood River is five and one, and I think people just kind of wrote them off entirely and thought maybe did they even have a team this year? Well, they are playing some good basketball. And then you go to Mountain Home, who really thought nobody gave any respect to because they didn't have anybody really. Um, to lead them anymore because when they lost Brandon Bethel, it's like, oh, who's the floor general? We're not going to have any, but Mount, meh, Mountain Home, forget about him. Well, gosh dang it, don't sleep on Mountain Home either. Yeah, and we're, the Mountain Home is the team we're going to really dive into and give you the nuts and bolts of their, their makeup. And like the 1AD1 uh, Snake River Conference um, for, for girls basketball, I feel like we're going to be doing deep dives into all of these teams at some point throughout the year in the Great Basin Conference. Uh, you, you mentioned Jerome is in first place with that one and zero record, uh, twin falls and mountain home are both two and one, you know, twin has gotten off to a bit of a shaky start, but they seem to, to right the ship. Wood river, uh, you talked about Jerome's only loss came last night at Bishop Kelly by what a single point, two points mm -hmm. close. Yep. Yeah, Wood river is their only loss came to twin by two points, 68 to 66. So Wood River is, you know, a play away from being undefeated and lead dog in the conference. So, um, but, but Mountain Home is the team. You're right. That, that was the team that nobody gave a chance to in, in our preseason coaches poll that we conducted. They lost Brandon Bethel, CJ Mann. Uh, but, but now they've become more of a guard from a guard oriented team to a team that's got bigs. And Mountain Home did suffer their first conference loss of the season last night to Wood River, who we just talked about, but it was only by nine points, yeah. 64 to 53. And that was at Wood River. That's a that's a tough road trip to make this time of year with all the bad weather and whatnot. And so they've got wins over Minico and Canyon Ridge, two teams that were picked, quote unquote, ahead of them in the preseason poll. Yeah. And that loss against Wood River. I mean, you talk about in this conference, the two toughest places, places to play. It's going to be Mountain Home and Wood River. Those two atmospheres are as different as anything. And, you know, as a coach, 
as a basketball coach in this conference for a very, very long time, those were two places I hated going. You know, you go to Wood River and it's in the middle of winter wonderland and it's an echoey place and just a different vibe. And then you go to Mountain Home, they got a stage behind <laughs> behind the basket. Sometimes, you know, they open it up the curtains and there's the band. And you're like, what the, what's going, what's going on here? It's just different. And of course, just a little bit smaller. So it makes it tougher, but Mountain Home, um, you know, the, they, they got a lot of attention when they went on the road and they beat Minico. That got a lot of people thinking is like, well, hold on a minute. This Mountain Home team can go on the road and they can beat people. And that, you know, that that game against Minico was everything you thought it was going to be. It was going to, it was scrappy. It was low scoring. It was physical. Uh, both teams in foul trouble. Um, and it was just one of those ugly games that you would expect when those two teams would play. And then they, they turn around and they beat Canyon Ridge next. And, you know, and Kai Cobb put in 16 and, they crashed the boards well, but, uh, you know, I think that game really made people think, well, is Mountain Home pretty good or is Canyon Ridge just being Canyon Ridge? Because Canyon Ridge turns around and throws 83 on uh, Skyview, or Skyline rather, and then they turn around and lose or only score 33 against Mountain Home. I mean, that's a 50-point swing. So people are kind of going, what is going on in this conference? Um but, you know, I was talking to, to head coach Brian Bethel about his team. And, you know, he's, he's such a super good guy, super nice guy, um, very forthcoming with information and was very appreciative that we were going to talk about his boys. And, um, you know, and I want to make sure that we do them right. But, you know, he said that this group is, they really mesh well. I mean, they're good friends on and off the floor. I mean, they knew coming into the season, nobody was going to give them a chance. And so they turned that particular thing into motivation and they've been using that as motivation every game nobody expects you to win nobody expects you to do this and that is locker room material right now for for mountain home and they are using it um but one thing that stood out in our conversations and he's and it was a couple of times was he says that he thinks this team's better than last year's team and and we know what kind of fits last year's team gave people but they lost their superstar and it was obviously Coach's son, who's off playing uh, football at the University of Utah. And just everybody was like, well, now what are you going to do? Well, this team came together. You know, I mean, you talk about their players. They've got three guys that can really get it done. You know, John Tetrault, three-year varsity player, team leader. He was the second-leading scorer last year behind Brandon. Um, but, you know, the thing about the thing about John is, you know, he's, he's one of those kids that is somehow getting it done on the floor every night, even though he's got some personal stuff going on. I mean, his mom's battling cancer and, and it, I mean, I'm sure that is just absolutely pulling on his brain, but he's somehow leading his team in practice and at games every day, you know? Um, and so we wish the best for his family, of course. And then you've got, uh, you know, Kai Cobb, who we just mentioned, he's a wing player, but his speed and strength and size make him a tough matchup. And so what, what Mountain Home's doing is they're playing him at every position, one through five. I mean, you'll find him at the one, you'll find him at the five, and they're creating matchups with this kid. And it's, it's allowing this team and this offense to be pretty successful when they're doing that. And then Nick Fulbright is the other guy that's doing a great job for Mountain Home. I mean, he is now kind of the point guard that had to fill the shoes of Brandon 
And, um, you know, according to his coach, he's the glue that's holding this, this thing together. But, you know, Mountain Home's doing it the right way. And they're, it's pressure defense. And that's their motto. You know, uh, relentless pressure is their motto. That's what they say, relentless pressure. And they do it through man defense. They do it through zone defense. And they want to come at you 32 minutes of pressure defense, physical defense. And so far, it's working. And so you better, if you're going to play them, you better be ready for a battle and a physical one too because they're going to come at you. And if you fold and you're weak physically, they're going to cash in on you. And uh, so far, it's been working for them. Yeah, Brian Bethel, to me, in uh, in the time I've been in Idaho, I've always been very impressed by his coaching acumen. He uh, He's a guy that takes and gets the absolute – most out of his players he's he's a coach that will take a player that is a c plus and make him into a b minus and not every coach has that skill set some coaches just have great players and they line them up and go here we go uh brian bethel we, and we've talked about a mountain home right the challenges that come with uh being a community that's kind of on the fringes of boise and also the magic valley they're kind of in between the two uh i just i've always been very impressed with with what he's able to do year in year out at Mount right. Home, so well, you know, and the thing is, their their philosophy and the way that they do it means that they can play that style of basketball and sometimes not have a lot of dudes, because in order to play defense and be physical, you don't necessarily have to be an all star basketball player. You just have to be a hard worker and a guy that just can get tough. And and if you can get that out of your team, um, man, you're going to be in a lot of games. And 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 you know, Brady Trinkle's the same way in Minico. You know, just that that tough physical style of basketball that really throws people off their game. And you better be ready for that. But but what that means for coaches like that is that they're going to have teams that are going to battle every single year. Because if they can get them to play tough, I mean, Trent Dilfer won a Super Bowl with Baltimore. <laughs> you know, it wasn't because of the spectacular offense. It was because they had a defense that was tough. And then offensively, they just didn't make mistakes. Well, kind of the same thing, you know? Um, and so mountain homes got the recipe and, you know, you talk about the toughness of this mountain home team. Uh, it's almost a, a running joke about who's going to foul out in the first half. And, and the, you know, the funny thing is, or foul out in every game, beg your pardon. It's, it's one of those things to where as a coach, most coaches that would drive you absolutely bananas because you're like, stop fouling, stop fouling. Well, you know what? That's the trade-off that they're willing to make for being a physical team because they feel that sometimes those fouls are necessary. Sometimes that physicality is necessary to set a tone. And it's not dirty, it's not cheap, it's none of that. It's just being physical and you're gonna pick up a few fouls. You know, um, they said they had at least five guys with three fouls in the first quarter in every game so far. <laughs> and he goes, I don't expect that to change. He goes, that is just who we are. You know, um, it, it, in fact, it becomes a running joke. They had uh, one of their players, Jamie Sable, had three fouls uh, in the first half. So they were taking bets on how soon he'd pick up his fourth, you know, I mean, and it, well, it took, you know, 20 seconds into the third quarter for that to happen, but that's just who they are. And so when you watch them play and you're, and you see the fouls mount up, understand that is what, it's not really what they want to do, but they're okay with that trade-off with the physicality. Yeah. It's an interesting brand of basketball, uh, for sure. And, and yeah, coach Bethel, another one of these coaches, we, we talked about it, Scott, when you and I did the four, a state championship game between skyline and Bishop Kelly in football, where Scott Berger, the skyline coach from mm -hmm. Minnesota originally 
came to Idaho to play football for Idaho State University. Same with Coach Bethel. He grew up in Florida, came out to ISU to play in the secondary, and now his son Brandon's doing the same at Utah. So just another one of those uh, transplants that we are so fortunate uh, to have here in the state of Idaho. Uh, yeah. For sure, so. yeah. Speaking of Idaho State, how about Cody Hawkins? Yeah. Yeah, that's going to be a that, that's a nice surprise. I got to know Cody many, many years ago when his dad obviously was still coaching Boise State and and uh, Cody was going through Bishop Kelly. Uh, my brother was coaching Bishop Kelly, one of one of their football coaches at, at that particular time and was able to kind of get to know Cody just a little bit. Um, and you, you could just tell a coach's kid when you talk to him, you know, it was the same way when when uh, you talk to a guy like Kellen Moore, you know, you talk to these guys. And both those guys, whenever I would talk to them, it was like, your mind is just, you're going to be a coach because the way that they looked at things and described things, whatever, you knew that they were going to be a coach. So congratulations to, you know, Cody Hawkins, uh, the new ISU coach. I think that's going to be a great thing. Yeah. One of my buddies from college played at BK with Cody Hawkins and always bragged to me that, I don't know if he still is, but he was the all-time leading scorer in Bishop Kelly history because he was the kicker <laughs> and that was back when, <laughs> that's back when BK was beating everybody, you know, 62 to, they won back-to-back titles there in 04 mm-hmm. and 05. So he, yeah, he was yep. the kicker. So <laughs> he was, yeah, yeah. He never, uh, it, it never fails to remind me of that. So. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. The lonely kicker. Did that's he have right. a single bar, you know, helmet? <laughs> No, but he's your typical kicker, just skinny, not much muscle, kind of just, <laughs> but anyways, uh, yeah. So yes, uh, exciting times for Idaho State University, exciting times at Mountain Home as well. Uh, the Tigers are off until next Tuesday when they host Jerome. <laughs> so yeah, that's going to be a, a weird, different game because by that time, everybody's out of school and um, we're going to send our boys up to play Mountain Home on the 20th. And it's going to be just a, well, a week from yesterday. Yeah. It could be one a w- weird game, not in school, but it was the only time either one of us could fit it in. So, um, and then we'll take a break and yep. go from there. Uh, before I forget, I was at the, uh, the wrestling tournament this weekend and I had uh, somebody come up to come up to me and uh, introduce themselves and just tell me how much they really love the podcast. And, uh, said man and call themselves a groupie and so watches them all says idaho sports is amazing and blah 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 love you guys' podcast i never miss it whatever and uh, i thought that was pretty cool so a little little shout out to uh to the to the work that you're doing and we're doing yeah no it's i i i've always said this i just surround myself with other smart intelligent people that are passionate and then it makes me look good by proxy so <laughs> That's all I'm doing. It's just other people are propping me up. So well, I don't know about that. And I just make stuff up as I go. So everything I told you today, maybe the truth it may not be. I don't know. Yeah, I, I would say uh, it leans more on the truth side, but uh, maybe a few fibs thrown in here and there. Um, Jerome uh, will head to Preston this weekend to play in the annual Preston Indians Classic. Uh, they start with a uh, Utah That's opponent, cool. Bear River. Um, and then I, I fully expect it to be Jerome and Preston meeting up again in the championship, just like mm-hmm. last year. And that will be a good measuring stick for, because we know Preston's good, but it'll, it'll be a measuring stick for where does Jerome stack up in the statewide picture, but also mm-hmm. where does the conference, where does the Great Basin conference stack up to right. East Idaho? Um, so that will be a good measuring stick. 
Yeah, it will. I mean, we're going to be a couple of dudes down that aren't going to be able to make the trip. Um, but you know, if nothing else, our, well, we're our six, seven kid, six, 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 seven, depending on what kind of lifts he has in his shoes, will not be making the trip. Uh, he's got some family stuff that he's got to take care of, but that'll teach uh, our boys to play small and learn how to survive because, you know, when you don't, you, you can't teach height. And so when you've got a lot of these teams that have these six, 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 seven kids, you know, sometimes they don't need to be the best ball players because they can just reach up over the top of everybody. They're the Krakens of the group and you can't teach that. But what do you do when they're gone? You know, what do you do when they're in foul trouble or they get injured or whatever the case is? You better learn how to play big in the paint without the big guys. So I think it's going to be a really good experience for, for our boys. Yeah. And then, and then conversely, I should mention real quick as well on the other side, Minico heading the other way, they're going to Hawaii to play in the pro image uh, winter classic where they will play Middleton in their first round game. So, yeah. you know, that's always a, either a sign of respect or a sign that they don't like you that much when they throw you right <laughs> into the lion's den right away with a five, a school that used to be a four, a powerhouse in Middleton. So, yeah. Um, well, you know, what? if I, if I'm coach Trinkle, I go, that's exactly what I want. You know, don't throw me a patsy. Uh, you throw me somebody that's going to get in my face, punch me in the mouth and make me respond. And, and, and that's what you want out of these tournaments. If you go there and you breeze through it all, you should have just gone somewhere else or stayed home. You know, so this is going to be great for both of these schools. And I'm, I'm really interested to see what Minico does uh, at that tournament because that tournament's loaded. Yeah. And I think we're all hoping at some point Minico gets to play Pocatello. That's the other big four a fish that's there. And, and then again, that would be another measuring stick in terms yeah. of, I wonder what Hillcrest is doing. <laughs> Are they working out with the Celtics? Yeah. Right. I mean, Scott, this is insane. So we, we, uh, we un unveiled our first uh, basketball coaches polls of the season. Right. And, and for boys and girls, uh, Hillcrest and Lapway both received over 110 total votes which is like every coach in the state voting and pretty much voting them number one. Uh, you know, in a typical poll, your first place team might have like, yeah, you know, 60. If, they, if they're really good, you know, maybe 70. Mm -hmm. To have 110 plus for Hillcrest and Lapway, can we arrange a neutral site game between those two? <laughs> oh my gosh, wouldn't that be fun? That, yeah. I mean, that's basketball is another thing that you might be able to get away with that because you're not, you know, crashing into each other like on a football field, but Man, wouldn't that be fun? And we've been we've been talking about that particular thing for a few years now, especially when it comes to Lapway, you know, because people who've never seen them play don't really you can't describe it to people until you go and you watch them play. It, it is an absolute bizarre visual because these kids are coming from this tiny, tiny school, yet they're up and down the floor and they've got some some athletes and you're thinking they might be able to play against some five, a teams. And so you would love to see that matchup. And, you know, conversely, we'd like to see Hillcrest play like maybe, you know, Villanova <laughs> or Kentucky, you know? Yeah. Uh, so anyway, yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. So yes, you can check out those basketball coaches polls. They're up on the homepage at idahosports.com. All right, that'll do it for this edition of the Magic Valley Prep Cast. We kind of boomeranged around to some other parts of the state, Bishop Kelly Lapway, but uh, that's what you get. You never know what you're going to get of the Magic no, heck Valley. No, you don't.
That's for sure. That's why we keep it interesting. No doubt. All right. Well, enjoy the competitions this weekend. Wrestling, basketball, everybody. For Scott Burton, I'm Brandon Bainey. We'll see you next time on IdahoSports.com.